Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome, Marvel fans, to episode four of Marvel Cast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast by fans for the fans. Each week, we will discuss the latest news regarding the MCU, followed by a review and discussion of the latest release content in this ever-expanding multiverse. Our audience is a key component to our show, and we will wrap up each week by answering your Marvel-related questions. I'm your host, JG, and join with me is my co-host, Steven. Steven, how are you tonight? Hey, G, I'm feeling kind of tired. I got up early like I always do on Disney Plus Day, Wednesday. I enjoyed What If. We'll talk about it later, but I think after this, I'm going to have to lay down, go to bed. I, I second that. You know, Wednesdays are always super early. I remember it was like super early on Fridays because of uh, everything that was with Star Wars. And now it looks like Wednesdays are going to be those days. Well, and like with the live action shows, those are closer to 45 minutes, closer to an hour. So that's even getting up earlier, at least with What If. They're the half hours and they kind of end right before you, you're like, oh, I want some more. And then it's boom, credits. So, um, yeah, I think by the time we get to our next show, that another one we're going to talk about tonight, Hawkeye, we will uh, be waking up even earlier if we want to see it before work. Oh, definitely. And it is so exciting to be a Marvel fan. We talk about it every week. There is so much to talk about in tonight's episode. We have lots of news to talk about, some reviews for What If, also the Hawkeye trailer, and of course our main topic, talking about Shang-Chi, a full spoiler review. I'm so excited to hop in. Are you ready for it, Steven? Yep, we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a full show. I'm so excited. This I really feel like we're hitting our groove. I think each episode we're getting better and we're we've already been planning out the next couple of episodes. So we got some great things planned for our audience. I agree. I'm super excited. We like to start each episode off talking about the news. And oh my gosh, there is so much news. And uh, with so much going on, we can only talk about a few. But that's, that's a good thing about Marvel. We talk about it over and over is how abundant the news is. And we did want to start off by congratulating uh, the people at Marvel, specifically uh, right now for the team that's behind WandaVision. Uh, so the Emmys, they gave out some awards uh, before the actual official night. And uh, WandaVision has brought in the MCU's first Emmys. Uh, they have won three awards so far. Outstanding production design for a narrative program half hour. Outstanding fantasy sci-fi costumes. And of course, the one-hit wonder. Outstanding original music and lyrics for the song Agatha All Along. Uh, Steven, any just brief thoughts just about the Emmys here and, and you know, Marvel bringing in the first win? Oh, I do have some thoughts and I'm going to play some music while I talk about them because this song is so catchy. I was singing it for weeks afterwards. It obviously should have won, and I'm so glad it did win, because you're bringing in these people that wrote music for Frozen, and now they're getting a chance to be recognized, and to give Marvel multiple Emmy wins here, I'm just really happy, and I think, you know, even though I loved all the Netflix shows, I loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, I think there's a fine line and a very noticeable difference between the quality of the production, the show, the story, with these Disney Plus Marvel shows. And I'm glad that they're being recognized as they finally should be. I agree. And it's, it is such an incredible, and like, this is the thing too, like this is the early, like it could still pull in some, there's some other ones that could pull in some awards here. You know, they do have some steep competition, like the Mandalorian, which also pulled in many awards. Uh, so it is a promising sign. It really does show that they are putting every effort into making these just as cinematic and, uh, you know, going along with that song, that song was stuck in everyone's head and it hit billboard charts. I think that said something like, that's crazy. Like um, a Marvel like song hit billboard, like, crazy uh wouldn't it be great if 
if she eventually makes it into a film, Agatha, if Harkness, if we could actually just start kick it off with that song, people will go wild because again, that's just a, such a catchy number. That's what we need. We just need the uh, sing-along version in theaters. Heck yes. Uh, Well, speaking of films, uh, Marvel, specifically Disney, actually, uh, released their schedule for through 2028. Granted, further down the line, it's more just the Avatar and Star Wars stuff. But in the more immediate future, Disney, specifically Marvel, slated in 2024 four new Marvel projects. Uh, There is no official title or anything attached to these dates. Uh, They are February the 16th, 2024. May 3rd, 2024, July 26th, 2024, and November 8th, 2024. That's also along with three other projects that we don't know about in 2023. That's on July 28th, October 6th, and November 10th, which is also along with Ant-Man and Quantumania and also Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Five movies in 2023, four in 2024. Steven, we are going to be busy. This is what we like to call job security. The fact that you'll be listening to us for years to come, I couldn't be more excited. Um, you know, I didn't expect them to announce the titles. They never do. But the fact that Disney puts these on the calendar shows that they have, you know, a positive hope and an idea that, you know, despite what the pandemic's doing right now, they're hopeful and p- planning ahead as if these movies are coming out. Because for the 2023-2024 movies, we'll be filming and getting into production in the next year because that's how long it takes to make these. So we know that they're already being you know, pre-production and writing, even if they haven't announced them. Um, if I had to guess, looking at 2024 with those four films, I think we're going to get a mixture just like we did this year with maybe two of those being sequels or continuations and maybe two of them being um, new introductions or standalones. Like this year we had, um, we'll, we will have Spider-Man and Black Widow as our known characters. And then we also have the Eternals and Shang-Chi as our new characters. Um, what about you? What movies do you hope for or any predictions on what you want to see in the next couple of years? Oh, yeah. So I think definitely it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to find out by the end of this year what's filling out the rest of 2023. We have that Disney um, D23 type event, Disney Plus event happening in November uh, where they're going to be announcing some projects. Uh, there might be a huge emphasis on uh, Disney Plus uh, like the shareholder event last year. But I do think Uh, Like in that event, they're going to announce some theatrical stuff, and that's where we're going to find out these other three movies. I think for those, I think one of them is a lock, is Deadpool 3. I think, you know, Ryan Reynolds has been writing almost every day. I think there's an interview or somewhere where literally he takes his kids to school, and he goes home, and he writes, and he picks up his kids from school, and he writes, and that's what he does. Uh, And they said that they could start filming this next year, so I think that fits right in for 2023. Uh, Some hopes, I think... I still think it's early for an Avengers film. And so I don't think we're going to get a proper Avengers in these in the 2023-2024. I think it's more likely we'll get a dark Avengers with everything that's been set up in the post-credits and everything else that's been teased with Valentina. I think we're more likely to get that in 2024. Uh, Blade, correct me if I'm wrong, is a movie, not a show, correct? Blade's a movie and Fantastic Four is a movie that don't have release dates as of this recording. So that could be, I mean, 2024, maybe use that as Fantastic Four somewhere in there, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, those are ones we haven't received release dates for yet. Yeah, those two I could see going in there. And then I think at that point, oh, we also have the uh, other Captain, the new Captain America movie. That's also probably going to be 2024 unless they rush that out sooner. And don't forget, um, whenever all of Phase was kind of announced they mentioned that mutants would be coming and they didn't say x-men 
So I don't know if they're going to change the name of it to be more gender inclusive or what the plan is with Disney, but um, I could definitely see, maybe we'll start to see maybe some more mutant type films or X-Men type films coming up, including, like you said, with Deadpool. Would you rather see um, Ryan Reynolds reprise the exact same Deadpool we saw in the first two, or would you like this to be a variant in this MCU? Or where do you want the story to go with Deadpool real quick? I think it could be a gag. You know, Deadpool is just that character that it shouldn't work, but it does. And it's it's there's so many jokes and it's so hilarious. I think they could really play up the fact of, you know, kind of breaking the fourth wall in a way or something. I don't know. Marvel no, would know how to, they're going to do it. But I think there's a way to keep it where it's the same character, but make some sort of joke about it that he's now in our proper MCU. Uh, and with the humor of Deadpool and the delivery of Ryan Reynolds, uh, that movie is going to be super hilarious. I'm curious to see how hard they're going to push the boundary on that, though. I heard rumors, and maybe it was more of a fan theory, excuse me, a fan theory that said, you know, now that we can't get Stan Lee cameos, which was noticeable in Black Widow and in Shang-Chi, um, would it, could they, after they introduce Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, just have him pop up as the cameo? Because again, from what I understand in the comics, he's a character that can pop up anywhere, anytime. So that would be interesting. Like, it just, I, I don't know. These two last movies have been great. But that one little cameo, re-watching some of the older movies, it kind of hits home that we're never going to see Stan Lee in live action again. It, it would be interesting to see if they do something like that. I don't know if Deadpool is the character, because then you take a film that's kind of like super the tone of like the Eternals, and like, I don't know, you might... I, I mean, it's Deadpool, though, so I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know, the tone of Eternals, it, it's very, very, very stark black and white uh, between Deadpool and the Eternals. Uh, yeah, that would be hard to see him pop up unless he like was in the background as like an Easter egg almost. But yeah, I hope we get these announcements soon. I like to look ahead and kind of plan ahead just to visually see where the story's going. And I think Marvel has shown in ways that maybe other companies, maybe like Star Wars and especially DC, they don't have that maybe foresight to like think long term. But I'd be willing to bet like if they're already announcing 2024, you know, they already have the next two or three years after that pretty well planned at this point. Like. Marvel has a roadmap. They've stuck to it for the most part with few changes. And I think this is a sign that Marvel is in good hands with Kevin Feige. He doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. So I hope that they keep to his plan and work with the directors, work with the actors, so we can continue to get solid content for years to come. I agree. I think one final thing, too, is that I'm pushing really hard and really hoping that the next Spider-Man film is Miles Morales. 2024 is about three years away from this one, which is coming on December. So I think maybe a good old Miles Morales film could be a good way to put in a, that November spot. But JG, if Tom Holland's Spider-Man leaves the MCU, segue, where else would he end up? Oh, man, that's great. You know, let's talk a little Venom, you know. Uh, so Tom Hardy, uh, you know, is confirmed to meet Spider-Man in a future movie. Uh, in an interview with Andy Serkis uh, with IGN, uh, they did like this video uh, discussion. Uh, I pulled some quotes here that I thought were really interesting. It's a really good interview. Definitely check it out. Uh, it, Andy Serkis said, look, that's the question that's on everyone's lips. They want to know if Venom is going to meet Spider-Man. But personally, it's never going to happen. I'm only joking, of course. It's going to happen. But I think there's so much. Look, it depends on when you want to get there and also what the appetite is. If people want more Venom stories, then to jump straight to Spider-Man, you could be missing out on so many great supervillain characters in between now and then. So in a way, by rushing to it, you might be closing the door. 
Steven, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the inevitable of Venom meeting our Spider-Man, specifically Tom Holland? I think we're so fortunate, the fact that we have gotten so many great Spider-Man stories in live action. I think Spider-Man, I've seen on many polls, is like considered by many fans and especially children to be like their number one superhero. And so he's this young teenage guy. He's growing up, of course. But the fact that this idea of seeing especially Tom Holland, who is my favorite Spider-Man, to see him being rumored to come up against Tom Hardy's Venom at some point, um, I think that is a smart decision on Sony's part. It's going to take a good movie and make it great, I would think. I think it's going to turn a $1 million movie or millions of dollar movie into a billion dollar movie if they play their cards right. And I do think that it even adds more value to Sony's upcoming films, whether it be Morbius, um, if they do a Craven the Hunter, because it's then going to, if they plant the seeds correctly, Instead of rushing it, just like think about phase one of, of uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. They didn't jump in with the Avengers. They jumped, they slowly built up and introduced the characters. So if you do this the smart way and you take your time and plant seeds and maybe you have a couple cameos before the confrontation of maybe this own version of a Sinister Six or whatever you want to look at it that way, I think these movies are going to be even more important going forward because it's going to be in the same connected multiverse here. What are your thoughts, and when do you think we could see this crossover happen? You know, it's it's hard to say because you know, you know, obviously these are connected in a way because of the deal between Sony and Marvel, but it still definitely has felt felt like on its own its own. But we've obviously now seen some hints and some directions that they are combining the two and they are coexistent in some way. And so I am really curious to see. I know this is a big deal. Uh, as of right now, I have not seen Venom. And so I'm really going to be curious to dive into it, um, get to know more about it. And if there are any more incredible villains along the way, I think that's I think that's important and that's cool. And to see, to set that up, because I mean, I guess people would, I guess, assume that if Spider-Man and Venom was to meet, that could lead to the end of the Venom story. So if you were to jump to that, then there's going to be nothing in between. And so... I do think it is smart to play the long game. Uh, I do think that you would need to tease it and start setting it up a little bit more uh, to build that hype, to build that anticipation. Because it was, I, I don't remember the specific one, uh, but, you know, one of the most early post credit scenes teased Thanos. And that took forever to pay off. And so, you know, you know, a little a little payoff here. And uh, eventually, maybe in a, in a good couple of years, we're going to see this epic showdown. And one thing kind of to add on to what I shared, um, nowhere in the quote, I don't think I'm looking at your quote again, it doesn't mention Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So maybe I'm, the, maybe I'm jumping the gun there, but if I'm Sony and I already have Tom Holland under contract and I'm working with him on Uncharted movie, um, I would want to keep him because I'm seeing that how well his movies are doing for the MCU. And if I can continue to connect it, but, you know, yeah, you, you can't guarantee it's going to be him. We don't know how much longer Tom Holland will want to play the role or how long his new contract was extended for. But my hope is that Marvel, Disney, and Sony all play nice together. So that way, even if Tom Holland is in the Sony films, I don't want him to be completely gone from the Marvel films because the way they set him up, I think he's gonna still hopefully going to be a big player whenever we have crossover events or maybe his own story. But again, a Miles Morales trilogy would be great too i think there's so many different spider-man stories still to tell and um the more the merrier and if we get to see him pop up more often because think about it we've seen him in 2016 with civil war 17 with his um uh homecoming 18 would have been 
uh, maybe not an 18. 19 was Infinity War. 20, no, yeah, 18, excuse me, was Infinity War. And 19 was Endgame. So we've seen him almost every single year. And then this year with his movie. So we've gotten so much, we've been spoiled with Spider-Man content. And I think the more the merrier, let him continue to have his character appear just as long as it doesn't become oversaturated. Yeah, when you say it doesn't say specifically Tom Holland, you're you are correct there because you know we do still have the many 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 rumors going on with you know Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, and I think when you have those possibilities, and even the possibility of Miles Morales, and even with what happened with the animated Into the Multiverse, like there's so much possibility. There's so many different Spider Men. Like you know, it might not be Tom Holland. I think it would be kind of foolish not to capitalize on that uh but you know from what we see in marvel overall has been doing a really incredible job and i imagine sony is gonna want to play off of that you know they are an independent studio um and so you know if you have the ability and the asset to use the success of holland i don't see why not but also if we bring back the rumored um toby mcguire andrew garfield that's being rumored again we don't know for sure and if they want to utilize these different actors and like continue their stories, I mean, while Tom Holland would make the most sense, you know, there are still fans of the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield films. So do you connect and have one of those other actors continue their story in like a fourth film or a third film per se, and have them continue to interact with these characters? I mean, I really feel like with what Loki did, I know I say this almost every week at the end of the Loki series season finale, you are opening so many potential doors to have so many crossovers between so many variants that I, I we don't really know what to expect. Our 2024 movies could be the most insane crossovers, bringing back characters and actors that we haven't seen in years from, you know, on non, non-MCU non films. So we are in the dark right now, but it's such an exciting darkness that I can't wait to see what's revealed and how Sony continues to build up their universe, even in the next couple of weeks, especially. Definitely. I think uh, by the end of this year, I think we're going to have a, a definitely a clearer picture once Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage release, and once Spider-Man releases, I think we'll start to see a little bit of that picture a little bit better. I think there'll still be a little bit of vagueness, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to get a really strong idea of what's to come. And so we are going to hop in into our reviews of the week. We are going to be talking about first and foremost, the Hawkeye trailer, which released on Monday. That trailer was incredible and gave us a lot more information for what we are to expect. It is dropping November 24th, I believe. It's that last Wednesday of the month, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, Steven, what did you think about this uh, holiday festive Marvel show that they're giving us? I am so excited for a variety of reasons. I mean, when we think about this, 2012's Avengers, you had six characters, right? And obviously Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, and Captain America all had movies before Avengers. And we have met Clint Barton, Hawkeye. We've met Natasha Romanoff in Iron Man 2. So the fact now that Black Widow just had her movie this year, and now our sixth and final Avenger is getting his own, again, I consider it a movie, but a standalone story that we get to expand over I don't know if it's going to be six to eight hours, six to eight episodes. They haven't, I don't know if they've said yet. Six episodes, I believe. Six episodes. So again, we're getting, if they're over a half hour each, we're getting over a three hour movie, if you think about it. And so we're going to get this story. I thought that the trailer was awesome. I think the tagline of, you know, make sure it's wrapped up in a bow is appropriate. I really liked the Christmas music that played over it because 
you know, even though we're only in September, we're starting that that'll be here before we know it. And the Christmas season will be here before we know it. And it really gave me diehard vibes because again, the action adventure, the shoot 'em up, the um, diehard is one of my favorite Christmas movies. So I'm so excited to see a diehard, a Christmas Marvel, because we haven't had one of those since Iron Man three and Christmas wasn't a big part of that. I feel like this idea of Clint's trying to get home by Christmas is the motivating force of the episode or of the season. What are you most excited about with this new show? I think it's exciting because, you know, when WandaVision was coming out, it was about two characters that I really didn't care about. You know, it's not to say that they weren't really good in their roles. And that's not to say that they're amazing actors. I just did not. I personally did not have the motivation to really care or be invested in their stories, you know. And when WandaVision came out, I was definitely intrigued by the concept of the show. And what I love so much about WandaVision is that it made me appreciate and respect and really grow attached to those characters. And Hawkeye is definitely someone similar and where it's a character that is really cool, you know, with all the, the bow and everything. But again, it's a character that I didn't feel invested in. And so I'm very excited and hopeful that Disney and Marvel is going to really, you know, give me the the stuff to make me care about Clint and really get attached to that character. And that by the end of it, you know, when possibly he's not going to be Hawkeye anymore, it, it's going to suck. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, wait, wait, I, I want more. Because I think, you know, we, we're, we're seeing the baton being passed from all the original heroes to the next to the to the next and i don't think that that's gonna shy away in this one either you know it really is looking like kate bishop is the future yeah she is and i think just like our other recent shows and movies have introduced the next generation i think it's marvel's way of bringing fresh new takes on the characters like you said we might see a miles morales and less of tom holland and again it every couple of years you kind of reinvigorate the franchise I think this show will probably be maybe 50-50 Clint Barton and Anne Kate Bishop's show. And I could then see whether they decide to do a movie with her or even a Disney Plus movie or a Disney Plus season two and then make it her show with maybe like 80% her, 20% him. I don't want him to die. I would like him to retire right off in the sunset. He's been through so much, especially during the time frame of after Infinity War and into Endgame where he was Ronin, which looks like it's going to play a role. Um, I really think that he deserves to be happy with his family. And I really hope that the season finale is him getting home just in time for Christmas night um, and then having a happy ending, if you will. I, um, do you, we didn't see Florence Pugh um, from Black Widow in it. And they set that, again, in spoilers for a movie from a couple months ago, but they set up that um, post-credit scene that she was getting information about Hawkeye to kind of go after the man responsible for her sister's death. So. Are they, I mean, do you think that's coming or do you think that's a tease for something that's after this show? Do you think we'll see Florence Pugh? Oh, I think I think 100% like a lock. Like I think, you know, because I feel like the story with what's happening with the, you know, the gang that's after him because of what had happened uh, in the role of Ronan. I think that's, there's, I, I have a hard time seeing how that feels six episodes. You know, I, I don't, you could stretch it, I guess, but I feel you know, you cap it off, you know, you do about three, four episodes, and you get right into the final two episodes with the whole conflict then, 
you know you can even have like little teases leading up to her reveal where like we know it's her or we think it's her and we're kind of like is it actually her and then at the end like by like the fourth or fifth episode maybe there's a post-credit scene and it's like oh my gosh it actually is and uh you know we think that all is all dandy maybe like he actually gets home because like this is going to lead up through all of december and so what if like right around that episode around christmas he actually gets to christmas but then he has to leave once again because now she's uh you know causing trouble and uh, i i don't think she's gonna be a villain ultimately i think she's gonna find out the truth of what happened and that's gonna be it's gonna be emotional <laughs> yeah and i did notice one thing in the trailer and then reading some reviews about the trailer that he is he does ha seem to have a hearing aid when he says goodbye to his daughter when she gets in the car and i know that's a big plot of his, or a big character trait of his in the comics i don't know if he's deaf throughout the comics or if that came later into it but that he that's going to be again a character with a disability and how he overcomes it and i'm excited that marvel's showing this diversity and again bringing in so many great um to, a way to represent every single person throughout their movies and i think marvel does that as a way that many franchises might not that they offer so many represent representations of so many people in their products did you by chance see which actor was liking almost everything that was being tweeted at him about this that might hint that we might see someone return I heard about it, but I don't remember who it was. It was Vincent D'Onofrio who played Kingpin. Yes. And there had been rumors while this was filming that he might be coming back. And again, I don't know anything for certain, but the fact that he was liking everyone's tweets, the fact that he was almost promoting this makes me wonder if if they could set him up to bring in Kingpin. Um, do you think because of its release and because uh, Sony's Spider-Man No Way Home has not changed its release, is there going to be any crossover? Is there any tie-in? Or do you think Spider-Man is already busy enough it's going to kind of stand on its own? I think it's going to stand on its own. I, I, I don't see the two crossing paths. I could be completely wrong, but I just, I don't, I don't and think so. I don't even know, is Spider-Man No Way Home based around Christmas? I think it picks up pretty closely after Far From Home, unless there's a time jump. I don't, I don't think it's at Christmas. But yeah, it doesn't, they really haven't really given us a time. So we'll have that movie to look forward to in December, plus this weekly show i mean i know we've already talked and we'll probably talk more about it later but we're going to do a ranking and kind of the awards at the end of the year right around um new year so i'm excited to do that with you because we are have had such a great year with so many shows and so many movies and that trailer just makes me even more excited for probably it looks like that's going to be the last one of the year because it looks like miss marvel is being pushed to early next year because i haven't heard much more about it yet that's what it's looking like here and the schedule makes sense another huge thing to point out in that trailer is that um i don't remember seeing it personally but i watching a breakdown uh it does look like that the hero uh echo was introduced um and so echo uh is a deaf native american character uh, it's going to be played by eliqua cox uh it, she will be introduced in hawkeye and she's also according to variety which was this was written in march 22nd of this year uh she'll be getting her own show uh it's an early development uh but she'll be introduced in this so i think that's really cool and i do believe that the actress is also deaf so it'll be like incredible moment of just adding just diversity and representation for for people and be able to see themselves as heroes i think it's it's just it's so important to get that and the fact that we're seeing more and more of this is it's just so it's refreshing yeah if you think back to where it all started like and to where we're at now with the amount of diversity that we're even going to get in the future, like thinking of Eternals, what that cast looks like and what they're going to represent for the world, pretty much how they represent so many different nations. 
I think it's really exciting. Um, I do wonder, there was one question I had, someone that I was looking for that I didn't see in the trailer was Hawkeye's wife, Linda Cardellini, the actress plays her. Um, I'm assuming she's okay because I know she was the one that called him at an endgame when his phone rang because she was dusted for five years. Um, do you think that was just she's there somewhere but just not in the trailer or do you think something happened to his wife off screen? Uh, so there's a scene where he's talking on the phone or something and he says, babe. So I think, you know, people have been wondering like, oh, he's with the kids. Are they divorced? Are they separated? I just think he is doing some fathers and children bonding uh, and mom is busy or something. And, you know, I just, I, I, I don't think that there's anything. I hope not. I'm a person of happy endings. Uh, but I think, I think things are okay. And speaking of father and children bonding, did you see what musical they're going to see? Rogers the Musical. Yes! I want a full Disney Plus release of that, please. Yeah, just like Hamilton last year. As someone yes. who like, enjoys musical theater, I'm excited to. I'm sure we'll get, that'll be some lighthearted comedy. Probably they'll save almost a song for each episode or do something fun. And then we'll be talking about Emmys again next year. Yes, uh, yes, I I saw that and I was like, oh heck yes. It even gets off like a Hamilton vibe now that you say it, like the poster design. Very similar. Yeah, so I'm hope I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be another great... I mean, just looking at what we've had this year between the multiple shows, I like the diversity that each show feels independent. But if you're watching them all, you're going to get more, more out of it because you get those inside jokes and references. And especially um, as we talk about what if here in a minute, that's something else that played a big role in this week's episode, I think. Definitely. And, you know, let's talk about what if this week, episode six aired this morning, Wednesday, and we got the what if Killmonger rescued Tony. So this episode was, you know, kind of falling a little bit after the effect of the first original Iron Man and then the effects after that of what would happen if Killmonger had rescued Tony in that initial like when the that attack happens. Steven, what was your thoughts on this? What if and how it altered the story? It was very interesting. I wouldn't say this was my favorite episode. Um, I still really enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it when I did in the morning. Um, I think the part that might have mm, lowered it a couple notches on my belt, and you might be completely different, was whenever Killmonger designed these drones that then come into Wakanda. Um, something about it, it just did not, maybe, I felt like there was a little bit too much time on that that could have been spent elsewhere, in my opinion. However, I really liked the opening montage where they showed the impact, of course, of Tony Stark, who started the whole MCU. And I think the title is a little bit misleading because, you know, he saved, rescued Tony at first to get what he wanted. But then, of course, Killmonger is playing the typical Killmonger we're used to seeing. And he eventually does kill Tony and many other characters that we're going to talk about. Um, I don't know. It was good, but I, I think it, the parts with the drones kind of slowed me down a little bit. What about you? What did you think? So I definitely enjoyed it. It was definitely good. I will say it's probably my least favorite. It just didn't, it didn't wow me. It really didn't do much for me. I know that might necessarily be a hot take and I'm not meaning it to be, but it just, I don't know. There was just something about it as it went on. It just felt like it dragged and it really just felt very just slow and just, I mean, I'm so used to the fast pace of, Almost all the other ones have been really, like, the pacing has been extreme. It, this one just, you know, I think all the performance, I think the visuals are good. And, you know, it's a good story. I just, compared to the others where we have, like, masterpieces of stories, in my opinion, like, this one just felt 
you know, not as good for me. Yeah, I agree. I don't feel like I felt the same emotion like I think about when I think about Christine Palmer dying every single try that uh, Doctor Strange tried to change the timeline. I think um, it was like the, the Franken uh, excuse me, Frankenstein's child monster of like the combination between Iron Man and Black Panther. It was a very much a you're taking those two movies, blending them together. I mean, Killmonger, a lot of these characters that we've seen in What If have been slightly altered they, because of the things that have happened to them. And of course, Tony was. Killmonger, I think, from beginning to end was still Killmonger. There wasn't much difference there in his character. And I think Michael B. Jordan did a great job performing the role. Um, my favorite scene, and it gives me hope, was whenever, towards the end, when Killmonger... Um, took on the Black Panther, um, the herb there, and he went into the land of the dead. I don't know the exact name of it. And he saw T'Challa talking to him as cousins. And even though Killmonger had killed T'Challa, that gave me hope that, and I don't know if Marvel will do this. I think back to, you know, the rise of Skywalker episode nine of Star Wars, even though Carrie Fisher had passed away, Star Wars beautifully brought Carrie Fisher to give her the proper send off that the character needed as, as General Leia. And so I don't know if Marvel will digitally recreate Chadwick Boseman's um, T'Challa even for a scene, but I think it, that would be so emotional and moving, and that'd be a way for whether it be um, whether it be Shuri or whoever it is that goes in takes on that herb to talk to the dead. I think seeing Chadwick Boseman as a digital just for a minute would really be such an emotional moment that would leave everyone in the theater in tears. Or even so that his was voice. my favorite. Yeah, oh yeah, even if you heard his voice and you didn't see him or he was in the sh presence of like the panther itself, that just was a scene that really hit me in the motions even though most of the episode didn't and it gave me hope that when we see Wakanda Forever next year that they will do something just as special and if not even more special for to for T'Challa and for Chadwick Boseman. I think it's 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 tough because the most excited I got during this episode was the ending was whenever we saw Shuri and uh oh gosh I just blanked Pepper. on her thank you yep. yeah thank you <laughs> seeing that that excites me that's like whoa what like that's that's wild to me like see and, and I think that's that's I think where I get with this is that the whole time I'm just sitting there I'm like okay like that sucks and that's not good and it's different but it just felt very much the same which i think is why i struggle so much with you know the captain or yeah the captain carter episode like while that was so good it just felt the same you know what they should have done again i don't want to tell them what to do but if they if they had known what was going to happen with chadwick boseman maybe they would have made this an episode instead where killmonger is a better leader a better person makes better decisions because if they wanted to with the variants and i know we're just theorizing here and you lose Chadwick Boseman, but if you could find a way to replace him, not replace T'Challa, not replace that character, but if you brought in a Killmonger, the cousin from a different, a different variant that was a more a better person, and you introduce them in What If, imagine what Shuri would have to do, like looking up to this great guy who looks like the guy who tried to take the throne from her brother. Like that would have been such a great opportunity to, if you would have introduced a good version of Killmonger. And to see where that character could have gone in live action. And who knows? Maybe that could be something. Maybe we'll get What If in the spring. Who knows when the next season of What If is going to air and that they could put something together or just introduce a variant. That, that's just something I would have done, I think, in hindsight. I think that's definitely more interesting. You know, it definitely flips it way drastically on its head. And really, 
the stakes are so high. I think that's what really the stakes didn't feel super high. Like the whole time I just felt like he was going to end up, you know, succeeding regardless. Like it really, it just felt like the path was maybe different, but the end result was going to be the same regardless. Yeah. My, I think with all these episodes, I do also like when they bring back the recurring characters like general Ross, um, Ulysses claw, pepper and happy were great in it. Like, I love that they got so many voice actors back and even the ones that aren't the live action actors have done a nice job of imitating the voices as best they can. I think the actor that played Tony Stark did a really good job to get on that personality there and that character and charisma. But um, yeah, I mean, at this point, this is episode six. I think there's only two or three left. So we're almost done with the season. And they did put out a trailer for the midseason. I did not watch it. Did you get a chance to watch it yet? I watched it. It was mostly stuff that we had seen before. There was like a, like maybe like five singular shots that were different, but they weren't anything like going to be like mind breaking. Like I think three of them were like in this one alone, where it was like okay. whenever uh, Tony. It's like it was like almost all, all the shots with Tony. It was like Tony in the car, Tony with the uh, Infinity Gauntlet, and then something else with Tony. But they were. They didn't really show much. Can you think of what else we still haven't seen from the two trailers? I mean, I think we're still going to have... There's an episode with Thor, like a party Thor they're calling it. Yeah. I think there was something in the trailer that I'm still waiting for. Maybe it's the finale with the evil Doctor Strange with Captain Carter. Yes. And there was another shot that I remember of like the new team of Avengers with Gamora yes. having Thanos. So that could easily be three more episodes or that could be two episodes and something left up for mystery. Mm -hmm. I don't know definitely i do want to also bring up while it's not specifically about the episode but more of the, what we've been seeing through the series the watcher is getting closer and closer and closer and getting way more like we're seeing more of his physical if we want to call it physical form you know we start off with like the first few episodes it's like a voice and then it's like stars and we can kind of see the outline we are now seeing like his like full like head to like almost torso now and he is getting closer and closer and i think that is very imminent that it reminds me so much when in the doctor strange episode he says i can intervene but i am not allowed to and i think we are getting to that point where more than likely in the final episode episode nine he, the watcher is going to intervene and whatever that means or whatever that does is going to have the ramifications for the future moving forward yeah, I think you're right there because, you know, I didn't really notice that until you mentioned that, but you're right. We're seeing more and more of him. We're not just seeing the outline. And I know um, Hasbro put out the recent toys from What If, and it's one of those things where you have to buy each toy to get a piece, and the piece that comes together is the Watcher. So we kind of have seen his final form through the action figure, but I think we'll see that probably in Episode 9. And the actor that plays him, Jeffrey Wright, who I know from Westworld, who did a really good job, I think he he looks the part. So that's the other thing. He's... He's kind of bald and he fits that image there. And especially with a little bit of CGI, he would look really great. So that makes me even think that this Watcher character, who's really the only new character in What If, is definitely someone that could potentially pop up, whether it be Marvel, or, sorry, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, or something else further down the line with more characters. But I'm excited to see more of him. And I'm glad we're hearing more of him because I think that character is going to play a huge role, especially because he's the only new addition really besides all these variants i agree and uh yeah any other final thoughts about this week's what if or what if in general 
No, I think the show is very good. Even though this wasn't my favorite episode, I'm very optimistic that it'll have it'll hit the landing there. And then by the time that ends, we'll be getting almost ready for Hawkeye. And and um, you know the fact that we had Shang Chi in September, we've got Venom in October, we've got Eternals in November, and Spider Man in December. Like really, and all the shows. Like I'm just so amazed and I can't believe how much content we have, and it's all so good. Like even not our favorite episode of What If and if the fans, if you liked it, please reach out to us. You know, even though JG and I didn't love it, I'm sure this might have been someone's favorite episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts because we're four weeks into the show. We want to hear more from you because we haven't heard much yet from our audience. And we're hoping you're enjoying our show. We hope you keep, you know, sharing your thoughts. And so if this was a great episode, in your opinion, tell us why. And so reach out to us. Definitely. I'm very excited to see how this all wraps up and how it does end up affecting the rest of the MCU. And speaking of the MCU, we did have Shang-Chi release about two, two, three weeks ago, uh, timey-wimey. And uh, man, it is time for us to go full spoiler discussion. Uh, We've both been very eager. We haven't talked to each other really at all about it, uh, besides what we've talked about on the podcast. Uh, So we are very excited. I do want to just make it very clear. We are talking spoilers. If you have not seen the film, it is time for you to say goodbye for now. We thank you for listening. Please come back and listen once you watch the movie. Until then, you know, have a good rest of your week. But we are going to dive deep into spoilers. You have been warned. Steven, about two weeks ago, we sat in a theater. We have heard so much hype. We saw the Rotten Tomatoes score and all the buzz and all the excitement about something fresh and new. We've sat on it now for, for a bit. What are your thoughts on Shang-Chi? I think everything you just said hit the nail on the head. I think this movie was so fresh and new and action-packed with action. Like I mentioned last week in our non-spoiler that I couldn't tell where CGI started and the actor human ended. It was almost blended so well together. And it shows that they took the time with this to really cast such great actors that really performed physically and through the actions on the page, the words, like, there was so much I enjoyed learning about more about the you know culture of China. I enjoyed seeing these characters and introduced to so many new ones with a couple of short cameos. I think the storyline moved along very well. I think bringing back Trevor Slattery from the um, Iron Man three as the original Mandarin, even though he was an actor, an actor, it was great to kind of see that character return and add such comedy. Like you know, when you go to a Marvel movie, you're getting comedy. You're getting hearts, you're getting feeling, and you're getting the action. And we got all of that here. Um, the way that the story ends by setting him up, and especially we'll talk in a few minutes about the post credit scenes, I cannot wait to see where he comes back again. I mean, I the, seeing the dragon and how well it looked, I mean, you know, I, I'm used to dragons on HBO's Game of Thrones, and this dragon, it's been a couple of years, it looks so incredible. I'm so glad I saw it in a theater because you felt like you were right there in the battle with those characters. The relationship between Shang-Chi and his father, Wenwu, the Mandarin, seeing those characters fight and seeing just the connection between all the characters. Like, there are so many stories I want to see that come out of this. That's just my gut instinct there. JG, what, where do you add after two and a half weeks? It's, it's just so incredible to think, you know, a film that I honestly normally would not, like, say you strip away Marvel and you just you have the type of film that it is. I probably, you know, very rarely might not go in to see. It's just not normally my type of film. But the fact that, you know, as a Marvel fan and as someone who enjoys it, you know, you're going to go see it. 
and being introduced to a different style of film and a film that I'm not used to watching and seeing the different culture and the representation in the style and just everything involved. It was so refreshing. It was like so exciting to watch something that I rarely get to enjoy and something I rarely, you know, dive into. And it made me, it challenged me actually. It really made me, I left that theater thinking, wow, I need to like stretch myself because that was, you know, incredible. Like you take away all the Marvel stuff it's an incredible film it's a beautiful film it's just there's so many heartfelt moments it's a it's a story that it's so emphasized on family uh family by blood family by friendship and just everything else that's involved it's just it it really impacted me in ways that i did not expect to walk out and be like i want to run back in and watch it again and i was not familiar with a lot of the cast i know we talked about that last week but I think they all did a phenomenal job of really taking those characters and running with them, especially when you have Simu Lu, who played Shang-Chi, who played Sean, and seeing the way that he, I mean, he just looked like he'd been a professional actor for such a long time. And I know he's done television. I know he's had some other movie roles, but to take on the leading role, like there was so much weight on his shoulders, but at the same time, you know, you have him, you've got uh, his sister who I didn't realize was such a big role in the story. And like where they leave off these characters that had been separated for years. I love the flashbacks to seeing the mom. And, you know, about a third of the way through the movie, I was wondering, are we going to see what happened to the mom? And when we did see the flashbacks, even though you don't see what actually happens, but you know, it just hits you so hard because, you know, as someone, you know, everyone has a mother and you see what Shang-Chi is watching there and he's helpless and he knows he's going to grow into something powerful and strong eventually. But just that really hit home, just seeing like that scene. And then he's conflicted. He wants to get away from his family and his legacy. There's so much that I think anyone can relate to this character. You, I mean, no matter what your nationality is, your background is, you can relate to this character. And that's what Marvel does so well. They are giving you a chance to relate to their main characters, whether they look like you or they don't look like you. It doesn't matter. They just want to create these characters that you can feel and connect with. I loved how the movie opens up with you know, the sports car, you know, we're so used to like seeing Tony Stark rolling around in the most expensive car ever possible. And you're like, you're thinking like, oh, like he's, he rich? Does he have like this insane inheritance? And then the camera pans and it's like, he's no, he's working. You know, he, that's his job is to like park these cars. And I thought that was executed so well is that it made it so even more relatable. Like, like, you know, him and his friend Katie, like they are working this, you know, job that's not super flashy or anything. And they're staying up way late than they should be. And they're going to a karaoke bar like that just feels like a character that you could relate to just so much easier than you can like a billionaire weapon architect yeah because i think we're all the that person we're the people that work the jobs most of us and we then pay our bills and we wait till you know the next paycheck we're kind of in that cycle like he is like you said i don't think many people can relate to being the tony stark there's not that many of those but there's a lot more strong cheese in the world um let's talk about Katie for a sec do you think like obviously she grew as a character as well because she was so caught off guard that her best friend had kept a secret from her and then by the time she's training there and her teacher you know how he kind of kept giving her such a hard time until he was he was killed in the battle and now she has the ability as a very strong archer just as we're getting another archer show soon with Hawkeye um and the way the post credit scene ended the fact that Wong brought her into this meeting as well I mean obviously we knew Shang-Chi was going to play a big role, but it looks like Katie's going to play even maybe a bigger role 
than some of the sidekicks or love interests that we've seen before. And I don't know where this character, if it's going to turn into a love interest, like her family made it seem like it might've been going there or teasing that. But the fact that Wong, and again, spoilers, as we know, we're talking about, but the fact that Wong, Captain Marvel, and Bruce Banner all kind of welcomed not just Shang-Chi, but also Katie into the Avengers. That way, with the next time we see them as a team, they've already made this introduction. Um, were you surprised to see Katie in that last scene as well? Oh, definitely. I was drastically surprised. I'm very excited they didn't, but I was kind of caught off guard because, you know, you know, most of the time in movies, like, it's about the main or about the main character, but they have people that come along with them. And if the main character story continues, more times than not, the side character is just sideline. You know, maybe we'll see a, a phone call or some sort of scene where like they're mentioned or referenced. But to actually have Katie come along, and I'm so glad Katie is just full of so much life and energy, and just I, I Katie was probably one of my favorite characters, and I was not expecting it. I was laughing. My the audience in the theater was laughing, and just the fact that we'll be able to get that chemistry still. Um, I love that they emphasized so much that it was platonic. I hope that it stays platonic i think that's just something unique and different and fresh you know they are cute and wholesome together but i think there's something special whenever you know a movie can show a platonic friendship you know we don't often get that it, it takes me back to whenever rogue one came out and how i literally jumped out of my seat in in excitement and joy when cassie and, and jen did not kiss I thought we were going to get that Disney ending where they kiss and they get blown up, but no, they don't. And I was like, yes. So I'm seeing Marvel maybe go in a direction like that. I am so stoked to see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, JG, what was your favorite fight scene? Like, which one do you remember as soon as I say fight scene comes to mind? Oh, it's definitely, it has to be the, the bus scene. Like, instantly. The bus scene, for sure, because that was the first fight scene in the movie, and it really sets the tone for the rest of it. And I'd say my second follow-up would be the one that's on the scaffolding outside of his sister's um, fighting ring. Um, talk about the fighting ring for a second, because in the trailers, they had teased Abomination versus Wong. And that it's kind of like a real short, quick scene. And Abomination really, unless you knew who that was, you wouldn't have recognized him. And he has a little bit of a character change. I guess we're going to see him again in She-Hulk next year. So I'm excited to see more of Tim Roth as Abomination because it was so short and I want to see that character come back. Um, but Wong, you know, had a couple of moments between that scene, between then right before the credits and then the mid credits. So, um, I mean, was besides, and Trevor, like out of those characters, which one were you most excited to see? And which one out of those characters are you hoping to see? And we know we're going to see Wong again. Do you hope we see more of Trevor? Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool. Trevor brought a lot of humor and I, I want more. Oh, it was a Morris. Please, it was, it was, his name is Morris, right? Oh, Morris's little buddy. And when he yes. came and checked on Trevor, who was acting dead on the battlefield, best scene. Like, nothing beats the opening night reaction with the crowd. And that's the best when everyone that's there is excited and you hear everyone laugh together. Best time. Yes, I, I definitely want to see them too the most. Because I, I definitely, like, I even look back whenever we made our predictions. Like, I said that, you know, they were going to be in Wong and Abomination where we're going to be in there for a scene max. And that's basically what happened. And... I, I'm excited to see where they go. You know, Abomination is not a character I'm super invested in, um, but obviously they brought him back to kind of... I think the purpose of this was to be like, hey, this character still exists. Don't forget about this character. He's going to be important later. Okay, bye, Abomination. So I think that's really the purpose of this. You know, Wong, we know who Wong is, uh, but kind of, I think Wong's going to be like that connecting piece in between 
Spider-Man, Abomination, and whatever ends up with Shang-Chi and Katie. Yeah, I agree. I think Wong is going to be like the Phil Coulson of Phase 4. And I think we needed that because Phase 2 and 3 didn't have a lot of that connective character. And like you said, he keeps popping up. And I I think Wong brings a sense of levity, especially at the end of that mid credit scene when he went out after such a serious topic and then went karaoke singing to... Um, what song was it? Um, uh, California. Hotel California. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. Um, real quick with the mid credit scene as well. So obviously Captain Marvel's busy. She had to leave early. Bruce Banner, surprisingly, is Bruce Banner and not the Hulk. Like we thought he was kind of stuck in that, I guess. I, maybe I was wrong. I thought he was stuck in that. So hopefully we'll get some more clarification in She-Hulk. What about um, when the Ten Rings, which again, I know we talked about this before, were used to be just in the comics, they're just 10 rings on the fingers, but I love the design choice. And especially like when Shang-Chi had five of them and his dad had five of them, they were using them to fight each other because they were using the same weapon and element. Um, we didn't get a whole lot of backstory on these rings, but obviously it was teased a little bit at the beginning of the movie. And then of course, in the mid credits, it sets up who, what's the, what are the rings calling to? Is it going to tie in with Eternals or are they saving this to call in with Shang-Chi too? Like which we haven't even heard is announced yet what's going on with this beacon yeah that's that's the question i think that's the big where are we going next with this and i think they're setting up something pretty big i feel and i think we might get a tease to the eternals about it more uh i don't think that it's calling to the eternals itself we know why the eternals are there it's because of the aftermath of the blip and the, all the people coming back causing all the uh crazy stuff that's happening in that film but i do think that we're gonna find because they've been here for Ever, they said i don't remember the exact amount of years but it's a big number and uh so obviously i think they're gonna have some knowledge on that specifically uh, I, I think the question is going to be is it good is it is it a good thing or is it a bad thing uh i lean towards a bad thing but again it's interesting because i think this is a, an assumption now but i think the the beacon did not start going off until the rings were in the possession of Shang-Chi. Uh, and I think we could tell that because of how the rings change colors by the use of who they're being used to. Um, they have different colors. And so I think, hopefully, with them being used by a, I guess, you know, if we're thinking of like Thor and the, and the hammer, like it's used by a just and right person, hopefully it's a good thing. But my gut tells me that this is going to be far from a good thing. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly. I think I would hope for something good as well, but of course Marvel's going to throw something a curveball our way. I mean, we talked at the beginning of the show about all these new release dates. I think one of them could turn out to be a sequel to Shang-Chi, especially with how well it's done during a pandemic, and I think it would do even better as a sequel during a time where we're not in a pandemic, hopefully by that point. Um, where, I mean, I don't think we want to wait, though, three years to see Shang-Chi again. So if you're Kevin Feige... Do you put him in a Disney Plus show? Do you put him in um, another crossover movie between now and 2024 when the next possible movie could be or 2023? Like, when do we see him next? Oh, that's so hard. I, I don't... I think of the properties that we know right now of what's been announced or talked about, it doesn't look like any of that would fit in from what we know. Like, it could maybe fit into, like, Blade or Moon Knight down the road because we really don't know anything about that at all. But I feel like those would stand more on their own. But like the other stuff, like most of that's I don't because I think when uh, when 
Captain Marvel runs off, I have a feeling that's going to be either something to do with Miss Marvel or the Marvels, the movie. So, and obviously Banner's probably doing something with She-Hulk. So, it could be one of these unannounced movies. I think we will see Shang-Chi specifically in some sort of movie with someone else before we get that sequel. Uh, I don't think the sequel is coming anytime soon, though. And I'd be fine even if it was like a five-minute camp or a small scene like how Doctor Strange had in Thor Ragnarok. Mm. I think it's going to be one of those situations where he's already met Hulk, he's already met Captain Marvel. Give him a chance to show up in a few other movies, like or at least one or two other movies, so that way when the ultimate crossover happens with all these characters, you don't need to spend a whole lot of time of introducing all the characters to each other. So I think like with this movie, I think it'd be cool to see him. I think, you know... We know that Wakanda is getting their own, or the Wakanda crew is getting their own television show on Disney+. Plus. I think there's enough with these side characters to explore, even if it was like a miniseries or something. That way, they're going to still stay popular in the zeitgeist before their sequel eventually does get made. But overall, I really love the movie. I want to see it again. Um, I can't wait to watch it as many times as I want on TV now with on Disney+, Plus when it comes there for streaming. I think it opens so much potential, and I think... I do wonder if if Marvel should have put this one out before Black Widow to start up Phase 4 as like a brand new character that's kind of like the complete opposite of Tony Stark, like you said earlier. Um, but I think they went with Black Widow because it was a known property and they were hoping there wouldn't be a pandemic that it would just came out in 2020 to begin with. But um, yeah, I loved it. I can't wait to see more of him. Any other thoughts on the movie? Yeah, uh, I think... It just opens up so many possibilities because there are so many characters that are introduced that have so many paths that we could you know go down and uh, we haven't even talked about the very end end credit scene oh yeah come on and uh, uh with the sister i think that is i think that actually probably shocked me more than anything because again like when we talked about predictions like we predicted we're like yeah he's gonna talk to someone or some people and get unofficially inducted into the avengers which we saw that you know the big kind of twist was the uh, whole beacon thing um but I think the biggest shock of everything was when they do the ending. He's like, oh, yeah, my sister, she's taken down the Ten Rings. They're gone. Life is great. And then the credit comes, and it pans out, and she's on the throne. There's all the iconography. There's now, you know, males being trained, females being trained. There's everything. It's so inclusive now. And, and then it ends with the Ten Rings will return. I have never heard an an audience yell that loud since Darth Vader in Rogue One. I was shook. Yeah, I think usually that's where you get like Tony Stark will return or Thanos will return or Shang-Chi will return. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is an organization and the fact that like they they were there from the very beginning with Tony Stark and they haven't been around much since Iron Man 3 and the fact that she's rebuilding and when it was a character that seemed to be like reformed and like on a positive path through most of the movie. So her turn there, kind of dark turn, really was surprising. Is it dark talking. though? Is it I, dark though? That's it the question. Have to be. It, it's, yeah, we're still in the dark about it, literally. But um, I think the fact that that organization is going to come back, that they wouldn't put that there unless they're going to be like, I think, Phase 4's version of Hydra. They're going to be in multiple films. They're going to be in the shadows. They're going to pop up when you least expect them. Think of, I mean... Oh, I just can't wait to see where they pop up next. Like, I don't know why I was blanking and forgot that for a second. It's 
it's just it's so exciting to me because there's so many possibilities and what i really love too is that we're really seeing a strong emphasis on female characters you know i think for a long time you know we had a few you know in that those early days of marvel but you know it was very male driven and now that we're seeing these other stories and like we've talked about in this episode representation the fact that earlier this year when we saw black widow we know the widows are being rebuilt and now we have the Ten Rings are being rebuilt. Like, we have all these crazy organizations that are rising up out of the ashes of what they used to be. And if they're coming towards a clash that could, that could be a storyline. You also now, we also, if we remember, if we look at uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Carter, uh, she's talking to someone. Is she talking to the Ten Rings? Is that maybe something that's happening in Armor Wars? Like... <laughs> There's so many possibilities. That's a great way to look at it, yeah. Now, JG, if you were the leader of the Ten Rings and your dad had ruled the Ten Rings for thousands of years by mastering Ten Rings that he had on his arms, hmm, you think you're going to want those Ten Rings back to keep control of your new army? If they're setting up a brother versus sister storyline, oh, that would be so heartbreaking, which is it's it's Shakespearean. It's great. That's great. You know, if we find out maybe a little bit more drive, you know, uh, behind that motivation, I think that'd be really cool. Like maybe on, since this was very, you know, focused on the story of Shang-Chi, maybe on this side, if we were to get that story told, whether in a series or a movie, we focus on her story and we see more of why she wants to do this. And I, I loved also the symbolism where she's talking to, I think it was Katie or it was, it was someone. And she's talking about um, how her father had his own empire and everything. And then she said that I had to create my own. And I think that's symbolic of not only did she create this fight ring in the, the club and everything, but it's it's foreshadowing the fact that she was going to build her empire, her ten rings. Yeah, and, you know, just the whole idea, like, I think back to your connection there that maybe the next movie could be more on her focus. Like, think about Ant-Man. Um, Hope Van Dyne was more of a side character. By Ant-Man and the Wasp, they were like 50-50 and they had billing rights together on the, you know, the title of the movie. So I could easily see, you know, she being a more central character in the second one because, I mean, not to make a Star Wars comparison, but like, think about like Luke and Leia. Like, imagine if Leia would have gone maybe more dark side. Imagine how cool, that's a what if of Star Wars right there, if I've ever heard one. But like, just this idea that we're going to see brother versus sister as a possibility for control of the Ten Rings. Imagine if he loses five, she gains them, and then you got half of them being controlled by him, half by her. Like, there's a lot to go off of this, and I can't wait. I do hope there's some connection with whether it be Sharon Carter, whether it be Armor Wars. We, yeah, we can't wait multiple years to see what happens next when you leave it with that ending. The Ten Rings will return. Oh, yeah, it is super exciting. So much possibility. It makes me super giddy. Uh, any other final thoughts on Shang-Chi? No, I, I only saw it once in theaters. Sometimes I go twice. This one I only saw once. So it'll be on Disney Plus, I would assume, by Thanksgiving or Christmas. And so I'll watch it again at that point um, and give it another fresh view at that point. I'm working my way slowly through. I'm on phase two now. I'm on Thor um, Dark World. So I'm just trying to get caught up and rewatch everything before I think Marvel... Uh, why do I keep calling it Marvel? When Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness comes out, I think that's going to be the one I'm trying to get everything caught up with all Marvel and non-MCU. And so, um, speaking of non-MCU, do you have anything you want to tell the audience, JG? Oh, what am I first? Week? Next week, our game plan. 
Oh, yes. Uh, wow. See, I've been so focused on Shang-Chi, my mind's just like, whoosh. But yes, next week, we're actually going to be talking about Venom. Like, we've been teasing it. You know, we've been talking about it each week now. We are getting closer to Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And next week, we're actually going to be talking about the first Venom movie that came out in 2018 in anticipation for Let There Be Carnage. This will be my first time watching. You know, I've mentioned it. I have not seen it. I just didn't really, like, think too much about it. I didn't really care. I've heard great things. I'm super excited. Steven's hyped it up. My friends have hyped it up. Uh, I'm super excited. So you'll get to hear my blind thoughts after it's my first view. This will be Steven's multiple views, I think. Second? Se second, yeah. Okay, second. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that next week. So if you want to be a part of that, you can watch it this week. So that way you have a fresh take. And also e uh, email us any questions regarding Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage, or even any of your thoughts about Shang-Chi. We do want to hear from you guys. Uh, we know you're watching and listening. Uh, we appreciate that so much. We do see that, and it really does mean a lot. Uh, we just ask for interaction because it makes it more fun. We want this to be a show uh, run by the fans and for the fans. That way you guys are included, too. As much as this is our show, this is your guys' show. Uh, that does wrap up Episode 4 of the Marvel cast. We do hope you enjoyed diving into the world of Marvel with us today. We want fans, like we've said, to interact with us. So we can't wait to hear your feedback and questions. You can email us at marvelcastpod at gmail.com and again that's marvelcastpod at gmail.com and that's in the description of our of our podcast there'll be more content and shows like we've been saying for 1130 productions network more information is coming soon i know there's people excited for that especially for canon podcasts there are there is updates coming soon hang tight from steven and i have a marvelous week and remember i could do this all day